Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Today is October 10th, and the passage that we were uh, in this morning together is Acts chapter 5, looking at verses 12 through 42. And in this in this passage, we see we see Peter and John, they get uh, arrested. Well, we, we, we open the passage, or Luke opens the passage by telling us that there are, are, are many miraculous deeds uh, being done by the apostles. Uh, in fact, it, it people just had to get their sick uh, to Peter's shadow at this point, and they were they were getting healed. And, and so we see that the the, the surrounding area, the countrysides, the, the the cities around Jerusalem. It's not just Jerusalem now that is being that is being radically changed by this Jesus movement, but now people from around the city and around the provinces around Jerusalem are bringing their sick to Jerusalem because God is doing mighty works through the apostles, and and, and because of that, then then the religious leaders who we saw in verse seventeen were filled with jealousy of what Peter and and John and the apostles were doing, uh, they arrested Peter and John. And the Peter and John were set free uh, by an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord told them in verse 20 to go and, and, and preach, go and declare the words of this life. And, and the words of this life, is it means uh, the, the gospel. Life is capitalized in the Bible. It's referring to Jesus. They're to talk about Jesus. They're to make Jesus the central thing. And they, they go and they do that. And, 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 and Luke tells us that, that more than ever, uh, believers are being added to their numbers. Uh, people are coming to know Jesus in a life-defining way, in a, in a saving way way and that is an amazing work and so so we we talked about this morning how uh, the main truth from this passage, the thing that should stand out to us, uh, is is that God desires to be known. In fact, it's his greatest desires to be known and it's what he's desired from the very beginning. Uh, even before create or before sin entered the world in creation, when he created the world, he created it as a good world so that Adam and Eve would be reminded of his faithful love for them, that they are to know him and to enjoy him. And even after sin entered the world, it was God's first move to restore broken humanity. And he's been pursuing broken humanity ever since then because he desires to be known. As we looked at, at that passage this morning, it's a big passage. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns in it, uh, and it ends with with Peter and John declaring that they consider it a joy. They were rejoicing in order to be to suffer uh, for the name, to be able to suffer for the proclamation of the gospel, because just like Jesus suffered, they were they were suffering. And so, uh, we we got a, re- a couple really really good questions here this morning, and, and the first one. As we looked at this passage, the first one is this, how am I, uh, or how, how do I share the gospel? And, and so, so as we talked through uh, this passage this morning, one of the things we said is because God wants to be known, it's his greatest desire to be known. There's, there's lots of ways that we can declare God's goodness in, in very general ways, right? There, there are ways that do not point specifically to Jesus in, in any way, shape, or form. And we, we see it even in the text here. Uh, we see it for the, this early group of disciples. We said in chapter 2, verse 42, and in 432, there is the story of Barnabas that 
that the believers held all things in common, that they, they were selling land, they were selling property, they were selling things that they had in order to then give the money to the apostles. And uh, they literally laid the money at the apostles' feet, is, is what Luke, how Luke describes it to us. And what that means is that they gave it freely and they gave completely uh, so that that money could be distributed for those in need. And, and so they're living this radically generous existence, which is which is uh, absolutely a polar opposite to the world around them. And, and so th- this life that they're living, this, this different life, is a, we described it this morning as a general apologetic, right? It's a general defense of the faith. People are looking at their, people are looking at the way that they live their life, and they're saying there's something distinctly different about you, and I, that is what I've been looking for. And, and yet, we also see that uh, just like when, uh, when the angel of the Lord frees John and Peter from prison, uh, the angel of the Lord does not say, hey, go perform more miracles. The command there is to go and teach the words of this life, to go and declare the truth of who Jesus is and how his resurrection transforms us. So how do I know or how, how do I preach the gospel? How do I share the gospel? Well, the, the very first thing I think when we talk about sharing the gospel, we have to talk about this. We, the question we need to ask uh, is, who are the lost people in your life? And so uh, when we think about it, when I think about sharing the gospel and, and when I've shared the gospel in my life, uh, yeah, there have been times that I've been on mission trips or, or even as I've um, been, <laughs> been in our neighborhood or, or those, kind of, those kind of places um, that I, I've, I've cold shared the gospel. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, I've shared it with somebody that I have no prior relationship with. I just met them. Maybe I just learned their name. Um, I've asked them, how can I pray for them? Or uh, we got into some sort of spiritual conversation and, and it led to me sharing the gospel with them, right? I have no real relationship with them though. It's, it's, it's a cold share. It's kind of, you know, if you ever have to make a cold call, you're calling somebody you do not know. Um, to be honest, there's mixed uh, success in that method. I think I think if, if 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 the Lord is really leading somebody into your life, and there's that moment, yes, uh, they can they can respond to the gospel and respond in belief. But the vast majority of time, uh, and the vast majority of times that that I've watched someone respond positively to the gospel in faith, is through. Uh, is, is someone who I already have a prior relationship with, right? I've built a relationship with them. I enjoy them. They enjoy me. We know each other. They know my story. Often they've uh, they've examined my life, right? They've watched. They've had a front row seat to my life to see if this thing of Jesus is actually genuine in me or not. And, and so from there, I'm able to share the gospel and I'm able to do it in a way that makes sense to them because I know them and they trust me. Often these conflicts sharing the gospel comes up in moments when um, their life isn't altogether uh, going well uh, or or they're wondering, you know, why do you have this thing? Uh, why are you more patient? Why do you seem not to be rocked so hard by the trials and hardships of this world or of this life? Uh, why do you seem to be able to have joy even in the midst of, of difficulty? You know, those kind of things often bring up uh, the, the, the gospel and, and presentation of the gospel. Right, because I gotta say, it's not just because I'm a good person or have a positive outlook. It's because Jesus has changed my heart, and and so, so I I think the first aspect when we want to learn how to share the gospel, I think the first question we need to ask is, uh, who are the lost people in my life? Are there two to three people? 
who do not believe in Jesus that that I'm in relationship with. So they cross my path weekly, daily. Think of think of your life at, at work or school, uh, your bank, your grocery store, the gym, the places that you go regularly that you that you're building that you're building relationships with people. Think about your neighbors. Do you know your neighbors' names? Right? Do you know their stories? Uh, and, and so I think if we want to be faithful in sharing the gospel, I think a really good important first step is to be faithful in building relationships with with those who do not yet know the Lord, who are lost. And that's what the Bible that's what the Bible tells us, right? Before we are in God's family, we are lost. So that's a biblical word there. It can feel a little sharp, but it's a biblical word. And so, so when you can identify two to three people that are lost and need to know the Lord, just begin by praying for them by name daily. Pray for them. Ask God to do a work in their life. Ask God to um, open up an experience with them that, so that you can, you can have an opportunity to share the gospel. And then ask God for boldness. And when you get there, when you get to that opportunity, when God opens that window or opens that door into the life and they, they're looking for an answer of why is your life different? What has changed you? Uh, then don't, don't be, be ready to not just leave it on the doorstep of I'm a good person or I want to love people or I want to be a blessing um, or I just want to care for people. Those are all good things. But what has truly changed you is Jesus. And so so get to that. Talk about how Jesus has changed you. And I think that's the second step to sharing the gospel is knowing your salvation story, knowing knowing what Jesus has done in you and through you. How has he changed your life? How has he changed your heart and your attitudes? At what point did you realize that you had a, a need for Jesus? Right? How old were you? Who were the people in your life that that modeled this this Jesus life uh, to you? This this gospel life they showed you over and over again of how how good it was, you know. And and, and you realized your need, and your need is that you are broken and that you are incomplete, that you are sinful, that 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 you weren't enough for yourself. You weren't enough to save yourself. And so so you realize your need. You realize and you and you talked about and you talk about how Jesus has changed you. And I think that is what's really, really powerful. And we even talked about that this morning where he said, you know, sometimes we look at the book of Acts and we see these massive miracles that are being done. And we go, why isn't God working like that anymore? Well, the truth is, is that he is and that it is a massive miracle that he can take a heart that is bent towards rebellion and he can he can move it. He can change it. He can soften it to become a heart that desires after himself, a heart that desires to be known by God and a heart that desires to repent of our rebellion and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. So uh, when I share the gospel, I, I talk, I need to talk, be able to talk about what has changed in me. How has Jesus made a difference in my life? I need to talk about the need that I have in my life. And, and, and so what was, what, what is my need? Well, I'm sinful and I'm broken. Again, I don't think we have to spend a lot of time to try to convince people that we are sinful and broken. Our, our world, let's just look at it. Let's look at the world around us. It's not getting better, even though we are trying really hard. And so, um, so we need to demonstrate our need that we are sinful and broken. And, and Jesus is the only one that can cure us. Jesus is the only one that can heal us. And so then, and then finally, there's, there needs to be an invitation to the gospel. There needs to be an invitation. So you've, you've shared your story, what's changed. 
you've shared the need that's that's there that we are sinful and broken and and the the solution is that Jesus changes us and so we we give an invitation we have to give an invitation to someone you say something like hey would are you ready to are you ready uh, to place your faith in Jesus and when you place your faith in Jesus you become a child of God you are set free from your sin and from your brokenness and you are invited into a whole brand new life and, and so um, so we need to we need to give that invitation, and I think and then if somebody says yes to that, um, we should we should rejoice, we should celebrate with them, and then we, we need to pray with them, and and we need to help them confess their sins. This is kind of what we would what what you might have heard is the the sinner's prayer, and that is that we confess, we say, we tell God that we uh, we we ask for God's forgiveness of our sins, and we. We praise God that we are now, because we've asked for forgiveness of our sins, that we uh, we tell him that we've placed our faith and our belief in Jesus exclusively. And because we have done that, because we have done that, just, just like John tells us in his letter in, in 1 John, uh, that because we have done that, we are now children of God and nothing can separate us. We give God praise for that. And so you just lead someone in a short prayer of where they confess their sins, uh, they ask for forgiveness. They they conf- they then confess their belief and their trust in Jesus, and they give God praise for this new life that's in them. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, complex, or or long. But but that that's really what it looks like to share the gospel. Uh, so let's you know let's let's just go back over that real quick. It's it begins by being in relationship with those who are lost. So do you have two to three lost people in your life? That you see, that you meet with on a regular basis. If so, uh, be praying for them by name. If you don't, begin looking for those kind of relationships to develop in your life, and be asking God to help you develop those relationships in your life. Then, as you're building relationship with those people and you're praying for them, when God opens the door, um, respond with sharing the gospel. Right? Don't just leave uh, it at I'm a good person or I love other people, but talk about how Jesus has changed you. And then, and then be clear about the gospel. Be clear about our, what Jesus has done in you, how he's changed you, what the need is. And the need is that we are sinful and broken, Romans chapter 1. And then give an invitation to respond in belief and uh, give people a chance to say yes to Jesus in that moment. And if they say no, and I've had plenty of people say no to me when I've extended a gospel invitation. Uh, if they say no, not right now, say, you know what, that's okay. I'm just excited to have this conversation with you. And I, I, I want you to know that I'm always here for you. Uh, I'm always here as an open ear and, and I want to, uh, I want to keep, if you want to keep searching and you want to keep uh, leaning in about this guy named Jesus, I'm here to keep talking about it. And if not, that's okay. I'm still here to be your friend and I, I love you and I'm in your corner. And so you just get to affirm that person and keep that relationship going and keep praying to God for them and by name, pray them, pray for them by name and, and trust God for that next open door and, or trust God that he will put someone else in their life that'll be, that will be able to take that seed that you've planted. And uh, at that moment, it will, it will, that seed will take root. That seed will, will be, will grow and will blossom into faith in their, in their life. So that's a great question. How do we, we, we don't want to, we don't want to just uh, uh, give people a good impression about Christianity to the church. We want to, we want to declare the name of Jesus. We want to declare the gospel because it is the gospel that changes people's lives. Uh, a second really good question here comes out of, out of the text this morning of, about suffering. And, and it is this, that how do we, how do we know that we are suffering for the gospel? 
We talked about, uh, we, we, we see here at the very end of our passage uh, this morning uh, that, that Peter and John, it says that they rejoiced um, uh, in their suffering. They rejoiced in their suffering that they were able to say that they were to, to um, that they were to suffer dishonor for the name, that they were suffering for the name of Jesus. And in their culture, it's very shame, honor. It's a highly shame, honor culture. So um, you want to be honored by those around you, right? Honor um, brings uh, prominence. It brings position. It brings um, affirmation. And and so um, shame, it really is not just about you as an individual, but it's actually about your whole family. And and so shame is a, is a, is a, was a very powerful tactic um, to keep people um, in line, really. And and so, and so we kind of, we kind of, the, the frank reality is that we kind of bristle at that idea because we don't live in a shame honor culture. We're moving more and more that way. But in the West and in America, we live in a justice uh, oriented culture. And so uh, the way that we might be able to read that verse here uh, today to understand the implication of it is to say that we would rejoice at the opportunity to suffer an injustice in our life because We've shared the gospel, right? So we have lost rights uh, because we've shared the gospel. We would rejoice that we have lost rights, that we have suffered an injustice, that something wrong has been done to us because we've shared the gospel. That's a pretty powerful statement. And I, I think, how do we? How can we know that we're suffering for the gospel? Well, the first thing is, are we making Jesus the central issue? We can suffer for all kinds of reasons. We can suffer because we've presented Jesus in a really harsh or brash or jerkish kind of way where we've been rude or demeaning uh, to people. We can suffer We can suffer uh, the wrath of, of the culture around us because we return anger with anger, right? We get angry. We, get, uh, we become large and we become uh, even um, defensive, angrily defensive uh, about uh, be having to defend our faith or feeling like our, our religious liberties or values are being, are, are being overtaken here. And so what we really need to do is we need to separate. Is it, was it our tactic that people are bristling against? Or is it the message of the gospel that people are bristling against? And we should be very, very cautious to, to not let our tactics be the things that people bristle against, right? Um, they, may not agree, you know, they may not agree with you. They may not agree with you in the public square uh, about Jesus, about the gospel. Uh, they may not be- agree with you in the public square about biblical ethics, right? That we believe in the sanctity of human life from, from conception to natural death. Um, they may not, they not, may not believe, in, uh, or believe or agree with you in the public square about biblical sexuality, um, but uh, the one thing that we they should not uh, argue against is is our tactics, right? Uh, and are we are we returning anger for anger, oh, anger with anger? Are we being peacemakers? Are we being gentle? Uh, are we being firm in truth but gentle in approach? And I think that's that's really what the challenge for you and for me today in the current climate that we are uh, that we're living in it, is to sort through and to parcel out. Uh, what are people really bristling against? Are they bristling against our tactics or are they bristling against our position? And is our position truly 
biblical? Or are we also making things that where the Bible is silent on uh, or secondary or tertiary issues? Are we making them primary issues, right? Um, and, and this is where historical theology is really important. This is where a global ecclesiology or a global view of the church is really important because uh, believers in France, believers in the Netherlands, believers in the Congo, um, believers in, in Haiti, they're going to have different political uh, opinions or social opinions and perspectives. And, and as we know more believers and we interact in these larger circles, they help to round out some of our secondary or tertiary uh, opinions and perspectives. And and that's not to dis, 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 diminish those things. Um, those, those things might have really, really strong importance for where we are at now in our local context, but it helps us to understand the larger picture uh, of Christian thought. And are we, are, we, are we suffering because we're making keeping the main things the main things? And what is the ultimate main thing? It is the gospel. It is the truth of Jesus' life, his birth, his death, and his resurrection. And so we must keep the gospel central. We must make much of Jesus. And if we're going to suffer for anything, we should suffer because we are proclaiming the name of Jesus. And we should do it winsomely. We should do it well. Um, personally, I don't I don't think the bullhorn approach is great, right? You go down on the street corner and you and you are are crying out and you're you're declaring the truth of Jesus. That's awesome. I just don't think it's a great tactic and I don't think it goes over very well. I think it turns a lot more people away than it, it wins them, right? You the old saying is you catch a lot more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And I think that applies to our gospel tactic as well. We'll see Paul do this in Acts chapter 17 when he's uh, before the the men or the council of of Athens. He's going to he's going to uh, appeal to them not actually he doesn't actually even use the the Old Testament scriptures. He he quotes prophets about um, uh, cultural prophets about Zeus, um, who is not a god, uh, right? And uh, and so he actually he, he comes to it with a very culturally appropriate appeal, but he doesn't leave it there. He gets he gets to Jesus, the one who defeats the grave, and um, and some are going to buy it, and some are going to get really angry about it, and they're going to chase him out of Athens. So how do we know that we're suffering for the gospel? Uh, well, it it is that it is that we're keeping Jesus central, and we need to do the hard work and the introspective work of saying. Am I suffering because I'm a Christian, uh, because I'm, I'm keeping Jesus as central and I'm, I'm holding to biblical values? Or am I suffering um, because while I'm holding to biblical values, I'm doing it in a way that is that is rude or or harmful um, or or just or just brash and kind of kind of jerkish and so we we do not want to be that way. Jesus was not that way. He modeled for us of how to walk both in truth and grace. In fact, that's what that's what John's gospel tells us. He's the fullness of God that comes in grace and truth. And so let us be peacemakers. Let us be uh, those that return a a gentle with a gentle answer. Let us let us be those who are willing to be defamed or to suffer injustice for the name of the gospel so that we can declare how good Jesus is and how different life is with him. Well, this was uh, these are some great questions and these are honestly these are some really deep topics, especially that of of, of suffering. And suffering persecution or suffering opposition for the gospel, it is not something that we uh, 
that we in our natural state, our natural nature, our fleshly nature desire. And it is even something that's hard for us as, as 21st century Americans because we are so justice oriented. We think if we believe the right thing, we should be vindicated. And we are vindicated before our Father in heaven, but we will suffer uh, here on this side of heaven because our values as Christians run countercultural to the values of the world, the prevailing values of the world around us. So we shouldn't be surprised uh, when those come into conflict. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for these questions, and thanks for the chance to hear dialogue through the scriptures together on the Beyond the Sermon podcast. We will see you next week.